like it. If you don't like to laugh, it's going to be a long night for you. I just want you to know that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to do awkward silence just because it's fun. Isn't that cool? <laughs> My wife's here tonight. She's expecting our second child. Our got a baby boy coming in October. Uh, October 12th is a due date, so I'm praying like 10, 10, 10. Wouldn't that be cool? When were you born? 10 to the third power. And then he just floats away. That's how I see it happening. Just levitates away. <laughs> Now, we're doing uh, ministry at UC San Diego, if you're not familiar with what we're doing. Uh, doing university outreach there, and it's been really cool. I want to share some stories with you, some testimonies. You like testimonies? Yeah. I like what God is doing. I think testimonies to me are like the whole grains of the kingdom. It's like good to feed yourself with it, good for the heart. You like whole grains? No. Like, I like grease. <laughs> But this past year, we've been doing university ministry for about 13 years. Uh, not at UC San Diego, but this is our first year on campus this last year. And it's been crazy what we've been seeing. Uh, we saw at least 70 healings on the campus. Isn't that cool? Uh, two people literally 100% deaf in one ear were completely healed 100%. Got it checked out by the doctors. I'm like, not like you have to get it checked out by the doctor. Like, you're going to know. If you can hear out of your ear. And uh, I had a guy healed of cancer. Uh, we had like 15 people's legs grow out. This is pretty cool. Um, how many think God's kind of big? He made our body, so if he wants to do something to it, he can do that. So if he needs to grow a limb out, he can easily do that. Most people actually have one leg shorter than the other. Sometimes it causes back pain, hip alignment issues. I'll tell you one of the stories. Our students were out eating somewhere, and they saw a lady kind of limping like this. And so we've trained them in a way when you see someone who's sick and pain, something not right, something should rise up and say, that's not right. God wants to heal because he likes to heal. He's in a good mood, and he likes people, but he doesn't like sickness or pain, right? Some people think God does like it, and he actually gives it as a gift. That's retarded. Okay? I have a child. She's four years old. I would never come up to my daughter, Eowyn, and say, I'd like to give you cancer so that you can learn more about us as parents. We just want to bless you with that gift. Have fun. That's not who God is. It's not who God is. Some people take, like, the book of Job and make God into that. But Jesus is alive today. I didn't ask Job into my life. Did you? Is Job the savior of your life? Because Jesus is the Savior of mine, and all I know is he never turned away anyone who asked to be healed. Zero people did he turn away. So he's in a good mood, likes to heal. So this, this lady, two inches short, one leg. They pray. Instantly her leg grows, two inches. She stands up. All her back pain is gone. She has no limp at all. That'll get your attention. God says, hello, I am real. So then the guy that was with her said, I'd like some prayer. I mean, who wouldn't if you just saw a limb grow two inches in front of your eyes? 
This guy, I can't remember exactly what the condition was, but he was instantly healed. All pain left his body. And uh, that's cool. Don't you think that's cool? Are you, are you okay? Do you believe God is in a good mood? Okay. Are you in a good mood? And uh, we've also seen just some crazy stuff. Eric Waterbury, I don't know if you know this psycho. <laughs> no, he's a great friend. He's been down a couple times with us, and he was down a couple weeks ago. We did a seven-day training called the Student Church Planting Experience. We had people from our campus, UCLA, uh, Idaho, UC Davis, all over the place. It was a lot of fun. We saw some crazy stuff happen here. Uh, demons manifesting, then the person who had demons manifesting was then baptized in the fountain and water, and it was really cool. And uh, then we had these two nights in a row that happened. The Holy Spirit showed up. Um, he's not safe, the Holy Spirit. He's really not. Like when he shows up, he just kind of does what he wants to do. And he loves to do something, and that's he loves to offend the mind to reveal what's going on in here. Like some of us have to understand it first, and he loves to mess with people like that. Because everything in the kingdom, by the way, is embraced by faith, not by understanding. Even salvation, it says, the veil is lifted, and then understanding comes. By faith, we say, I believe Jesus is real. Once that happens, then the veil is lifted off of, our mind, off of our mind. It's not a logical decision to get saved. We don't go, that makes perfect sense. God always existed. There was no beginning to God. That makes sense. He threw the universe into existence just by speaking in a matter of a few days. Jesus comes to the earth. He's born of a virgin. No sex involved. That makes total sense, logically. Jesus builds stuff for 30 years, doesn't do much. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes on, he starts raising the dead, casting out demons, healing the sick, dies on a cross. Three days later, he rises from the dead, and now he lives inside of me. That's totally logical. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so we have to embrace the kingdom by faith. And so the Holy Spirit shows up one of these nights, and for the first four days, a lot of freedom was taking place in students, identity, father, heart stuff. It's really powerful stuff. And the Holy Spirit shows up, and people become drunk in the Holy Spirit. Now, some people get, like, freaked out about that. Just remember the church began out of a state of drunkenness in the Spirit, Acts 2. And it seemed to work out pretty good for them as a church growth strategy. Maybe we should try that today. We don't know what to do. Well, let's just get drunk in the spirit and something will happen. Because for five years, because Acts 1 to 5 is literally five years. It's about five years. Every day it says people are being added to the church. Every day. For years. So that seemed to work out pretty good for them. And so the Holy Spirit shows up. They're, well, they're acting clamorously foolish on the ground, which is what the word hallelujah means, by the way. Did you know this? Like, we sing hallelujah all the time. It comes from a Hebrew word called halal, which means to act clamorously foolish. Yeah. 
So next time you sing that, just act it out. That's what these students were doing. And then something crazy happened. Everyone in the room began to smell red wine in the room. If you've ever been around red wine right when it's uncorked, and there's like that strong, fruity sense of deliciousness right about there. We're smelling this, and we're not in a place where wine is like in the bar next door. So I go up to the guy and say, dude, are you smelling wine? Am I freaking out here? He goes, I'm smelling it too. And then everyone else was smelling it. So it's like manifesting in the natural what the Holy Spirit was doing. Isn't that cool? Ephesians 5 says, 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, but get drunk with the Holy Spirit. You know what drunk people do? They'll talk to anyone. Like, there's no fear of man in drunk people. They're not, like, thinking, what if it's okay if I talk to that person? I don't know if I'm going to bother them or not. They might reject me if I talk to them. They're just like, hey! I love you. I've never met you, but I love you. <laughs> drunk people take risks. And God rewards risk. He does not reward carefully planned human exertions. He loves it when his sons and daughters say, I believe what you said is true, so I'm going to step out even though my mind is screaming no, but my heart is screaming yes. And I'm going to believe what you said is right. God loves it. So this happened the next night. The Holy Spirit shows up again, and they're just laid out. I have a video on my iPhone if you want to see it. It's pretty hilarious. But that's the Holy Spirit he just likes to show up and do stuff. And when he does, it's a lot of fun. So I hope he does some fun stuff tonight. That'd be cool if he did some fun stuff. <laughs> some of you are like, no, I'm freaked out. <laughs> That's why he's our comforter, because he knew we would get uncomfortable. Just saying. <laughs> this is pretty cool, by the way. Might have to steal that for the kingdom. <laughs> uh, can I tell you one more story? Is that cool? We have a thing called Sun God Festival on our campus. There's not enough demons on the campus, so we have to build a Sun God replica of the Baal God of the Old Testament. It's like, great, that's wonderful. It's actually an exact replica of the foundation of what Baal stood on, which was the Sun God in the Old Testament. And if you remember the story, the fire falls and prophets die, and it's pretty cool. So maybe that'll happen on our campus. No, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't want students to die, but maybe if demons get burned up, that'd be cool. So it's the largest school-sponsored event of the year, the Sun God Festival. But, I mean, just thousands and thousands of students show up, and a lot of them show up drunk. Can't bring alcohol in, but they immerse themselves in it before they get there. So they're telling everyone they love them. And they have a huge stage. It's basically a Woodstock for one day. They have a huge music stage. Then they have a DJ tent. There's a carnival. So we thought, why don't we set up a booth and do free spiritual readings and pray for the sick and have a sign that says free healings? Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Spiritual readings is just delivering what God wants to say to someone. It's like delivering roses from the Father to someone. Or other words, prophecy or words of knowledge. 
And so all of a sudden, students start coming up, and this first guy comes up. One of our students starts speaking, giving some roses out from the father of this guy. And this guy goes, how the F did you know that? <laughs> he's not a Christian, so he's not going to be like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful gift of your glory. This is wonderful. <laughs> That's just the way he knows how to talk. And so then a girl is drawing something while this other girl is speaking. And she says, oh, I think this is for you. And he give, she gives her the, him the picture. And he says, how the F did you know that about my life? And so she, he's literally getting a spoken word and then a picture. And it all tied together what God was saying over his life and about his destiny. So he leaves and grabs some friends because he, he's like, you guys have got to check this out. So this keeps happening. People keep bringing their friends. We had a psychic come by. She goes, who's your medium? We said, Jesus. She said, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and he is our medium. Jesus is the medium to the Father. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So then in the dance tent, the DJ tent, I mean, it's this massive tent, okay, like thousands of students can fit in here. Some of our students run over there and they come back and say, man, God's presence is in the DJ tent. I was like, cool. So I run over there. Now, in the natural, it wasn't like, mm, thank you, Father, for your presence among us. You have drunk people, techno music, in a large tent, crammed together, males and females. You can fill in the blanks what is happening in that environment. So in the natural, I wasn't like, yes, thank you, Jesus. But I could feel God's presence there, which meant he wanted to move here. See, Jesus isn't intimidated by dark places. He's not even intimidated by unbelief. God's love is not intimidated by unbelief. And so there's about eight of us. We're standing in the middle of this chaos, and we're kind of forming a tunnel, so to speak. And we said, why don't we do a fire tunnel in here? Now, if you're not familiar with this, this is just when people line up and people walk through, and you just kind of pray for them and bless them. So we do this. So hundreds of students are just bouncing through the tunnel. We're like, Yes, thank you, Jesus. More encounter them. Thank you, Father. The music was so loud, they didn't know what was going on. But I believe when you lay hands on people, God shows up. And so we're just like, bless them, Father. Bless them. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're crazy. Okay. You ready to get into some stuff? I'm going to share for a few minutes about Ephesians chapter 1. You like Ephesians? Ephesians, to me, is like the movie The Matrix. You remember the first Matrix, the first time you saw it? Like, when I walked out of the movie theater, I was like, is this real? <laughs> is this just a computer program? What is going on? It was like literally for two days, I was just like, I couldn't speak. I was just like, I saw a cat, a black cat. Do you remember that scene? <laughs> Ephesians is like this because it's like you start reading the book and you're like, I have to put it down. It's too much. There's too much going on in here. I have to process. There's so much that God talks about that we have access to in the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to dive into chapter one, see how far we get. Probably won't be too far because, like I said, there's just so much. But we're going to start in verse three. But before we get there, you know what atoms are? Tiny little particles that comprise literally everything you see in the room right now. What happens when you fuse atoms? Do you remember this? You get the atom bomb, right? Nuclear bomb. That's what happens when you fuse atoms together. It creates the atom bomb, which can create 
an exponential release of energy that brings massive destruction, right? So think of our lives as we're all different atoms just floating around, okay? Like, doo -doo -doo, doing our own thing. And we're all like a zero without Jesus. John 15 says, apart from Christ, we are nothing, right? Now, I've heard some people preach on this, and it's as if we're still not with Jesus. Like, you are nothing! I'm like, okay, I'm not apart from Jesus, so I am not nothing anymore, right? Colossians teaches us that Jesus, in chapter 1, says, is the firstborn of all creation. So he's number one, literally, okay? So Jesus comes along to me, a little zero, and he says, I like you. And I say, I like you. So we get grafted together. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, our spirit, my spirit, comes, becomes one with the spirit of Jesus. So we become completely connected. So I go from a zero to a ten. I'm a 10 now. And then Drew, you're a zero. But with Jesus, now we're a 100. And a 1,000, 10,000, 100,000. Keeps going. Then you have this exponential release of potential against darkness. Every one of us in this room were created to subdue darkness. You know that? That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He said it of himself, but then he passes it on to us. He says, now you are the light of the world. Light changes atmospheres, doesn't it? No matter how dark a space is, one little match changes the entire space. No matter how dark of a place we walk into, we don't have to be intimidated. God did not create us to blend in. To be in the background and just kind of like a chameleon against the wall. No one can see me. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. What do people do with masterpieces? They hide them in a closet somewhere and put a dusty blanket off it. Oh, you want to see the masterpiece? Let me go get that. Spent a long time. I don't know if I can find it. You go into a hotel lobby, the masterpiece is on display. It's either hanging from the ceiling or if it's on the walls, a painting, there's lights on it. God created us to show us off. I was speaking at a church and a woman came up. And she started cursing herself because we either bless or we curse. There's no in-between. There's no gray space. It's not like I'm kind of blessing or I'm kind of cursing. It's like we are either creating or we are destroying with our speech. And so this woman's like, I'm not ever going to be this, and I'm just this. And I just stopped her and said, do you realize you're cursing yourself? She said, well, what do you mean? I said, how does it glorify the artist to demean the artwork? I said, you are God's masterpiece. You are his artwork. How does it glorify him to demean yourself? I'm just this, I'm not that. I'm not worthy. To say we're not worthy to God is totally offensive to him. Worth is measured by how, some, uh, how much someone is willing to pay, right? Well, he paid quite a bit. His son's life. So when I say, I'm not worthy, God, and he's like, really? Because I paid a lot for you. So you are worthy, actually. 
because my son paid a price to make you worthy. Now, that's good news. It's not something we bring about ourselves when we surrender to Jesus. It becomes our inheritance. Everything that is Jesus is ours. That's why we're called a co-heir. That's good news. Because Jesus has a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay. You all right? We doing good? You guys get down at 1130, is that right? <laughs> okay. Verse 3, Ephesians chapter 1. How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. The news starts really good with the fact that we have a father. The head of the kingdom of God is not just a king, he's a dad. Like, it's about family. It's not just about an organization. It's an organism. Some people in church have made the church into an enterprise. Last time I checked, when a body's made into a business, that's called prostitution. We're a body. We're not an organization. We're not to mimic what the corporate business world is doing on the culture of earth. We're supposed to mimic what the culture of heaven is doing. That's why James 3 contrasts earth and heaven. And it says, earth's wisdom or culture is natural and demonic. What are you really trying to say, James? <laughs> so if we're looking for solutions by looking to earth for those solutions, we will be sorely disappointed. But if we put our gaze upon what is happening in heaven, there's always a solution in heaven. You know, a lot of people are upset about health care in our nation. People blame the Democrats, the Republicans. They're blaming their neighbors, whatever. I don't know. You know whose fault it is? The whole health care stuff? Us. If every follower of Jesus was walking in everything they've already been given, there would be no need for health care. Oh, you're just being sensational, Brian. Let me tell you a story. This is completely documented. In the year 11-something in a community in Czech Republic, the Holy Spirit shows up on a mountaintop. There's never been a missionary to this community. They'd never heard the gospel. Holy Spirit shows up, teaches them how to pray, teaches them about who Jesus is. So for 900 years, there's no hospitals, no prisons, and no divorce. Like for nine years, that would be pretty amazing. 90 years would be really crazy. Nine centuries, there's no sickness, no crime, and no divorce. The only reason it stopped is the Nazis invaded, which the community prophesied would happen. I'm just saying... If we realize what has already been given to us, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. How big are the heavenly realms? Is it like a five-by-six room? Welcome to the heavenly realms. We call it the closet over here. Watch your step. <laughs> it's an infinite space. 
And it is saying, because we are in Jesus, we have access to everything that's in that space. Think of the, the heavenly realms like this. Different warehouses. You have one warehouse that has body parts. You have another one that has inventions. You have another one that has strategies to eradicate poverty on the earth. All this stuff that's just waiting to be released. It's like angels are up there like really bored. Like, hey, what are you guys doing down there? Because there's a lot of stuff up here. And we're really bored. So if you could just grab a hold of what's already here, that would be pretty sweet. Every problem on the earth, there is a solution in the kingdom of God. Not one time did Jesus encounter something and go, I don't know what to do. Emergency meeting with the disciples. <laughs> he always had a solution. Whether there was a storm, he stopped it. He didn't bless storms. When he saw a blind person, he didn't say, I'm going to buy you a seen dog just to bless you. When he saw someone who's sick, he didn't say, hey, we're going to create a campaign around the work of the devil that's in your life so that other people could be aware about what the devil's doing in you. No. When he saw sickness, he said, that's not right. It's not a part of the kingdom. That storm, that's not part of the kingdom. That needs to stop. And then he says to every one of us, as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, now I send you. Like, I would love to see the whole body of Christ doing the same works of Jesus, let alone the greater works. Can we just get to the same works? And I don't think we realize all of the access and everything that has been handed to us, the investment that's been placed inside of us. Think of it this way. If our knowledge of the word exceeds our obedience to it, we are backslidden. Think of it this way. Well, I know God heals. I believe God heals. Well, are you healing the sick? Well, no. So you know what you're not doing. We've all been called to heal the sick, right? You believe that? As the Father sent me, now I send you. 58% of the time, Jesus is either healing the sick or casting out demons. Jesus is the only justifiable model. So if he did that most of the time, then it probably means it should be a pretty big part of our lives. It's not about superstars that wear white suits. It's about sons and daughters that are nameless and faceless that know whose they are and know what they've been given and why they've been given it. And when they see darkness, they know it is, and they say, I've been called to subdue that. So every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Verse 4, you guys okay? Am I offending some of you? Is that okay? I don't care if I am. I just want to make sure that, that I was not just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really a teacher. I'm more of a provoker, which is, I think, more what Jesus was, was more of a provoker. Because, like, when he left places, they're like, they had to process everything that was going on. And so that's more 
If you're like, I love teachers, I'm more of a provoker tonight. So maybe next week he'll be more of a teacher. That'll be good. He'll balance it all out. <laughs> you okay, really? All right. Verse 4. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God's love has nothing to do with what we do or don't do or what we say or don't say. God's love was established before anything was created. Before you were a thought, his love was established for you. Some of us need to understand this at a cellular level where it becomes the fabric of our being, that God's love is not based on performance. It's not based on positioning. It's not based on posturing. I could epically fail, and God's love does not change. I mean, you read through this, there's a lot of epic failures in here. God's love isn't changed. And it doesn't even change our destiny if we epic, epically fail. might derail us for a season, but it does not change the destiny that God has implanted inside of us. Because he's created every single one of us to change the world. Every single one. Because we're sons and daughters. And then he chose us before all of creation. How does that work? That's kind of getting into the matrix, isn't it? Let me explain this the best I can. Think of your life as a train and every one of your years of your life as a train car. God is the one who was and is and is to come. He can live in every one of those spaces at the same time. That makes total sense, too. So God says, I'm going to ride your train. Check it out. So he comes on Brian's train. He's like, oh, year one. This is nice. I accepted Jesus when I was 17. So he gets to, to car number 17, and he sees that Brian surrenders his life to Jesus, God's son. He says, I like that. So I choose you first. I'm not like some puppet where God is up there just doing all of my movements. He just knew I was going to do it, so he chose me first. He's not in control of everything. He just knows what we're going to do. And he says, all right, since you chose my son, then I'll choose you. Now, God's love is vast, immeasurable. Like, linguistics on the earth pale to really describe God's love. I mean, it's just words fail. But actions are a byproduct of love, right? My wife likes girly movies. I'm not a fan of girly movies. I don't like these movies. They're all the same. It's a different city, different actors, but it's the same exact plot. This is what's going to happen in the movie. In a couple, they're going to meet some weird place. And they're like, wow, I like this person. At first, they're going to hate each other. And all of a sudden, they like each other. And then all of a sudden, this lie is exposed. And they're like, I didn't know you did that or said that. And then they go away. And then the person is about to get on a plane or a boat or a taxi or a motorcycle, some form of transportation. At the last second, they're going to arrive and be like, oh, this is right. And then they, they kiss and they make up and then the movie's over and there's like some jazzy tune to close it out. It's the same movie every time. 
Now, I watch these movies because I love my wife and I know she likes them. Now, my daughter, today we were doing this. She loves to play with dolls. I am a guy. Pastel pink to me does not belong on male bodies, okay? That's just for me. I'm playing dolls with my daughter. I'm talking as if I am the doll. I'm accessorizing the dolls. I'll go to talk to A when she says, no, you're the doll. Talk to the doll. I was like, okay, I'm talking to the doll. I don't even know who these dolls are. I'm playing with dolls because I love my daughter, and I know she likes to play with dolls. Doing stuff for God isn't I'm doing it so that he will love me. He already does. We do it because he already does love us. And like if I pray for someone who's sick, I just know he likes that. So I'm going to pray for someone who's sick because I know it brings a smile to the Father's face. I'm not trying to get his favor. We already have it. I'm not trying to get his grace. It's already established. Does that make sense? Okay, verse 5. We're almost done. We okay on time? Are we cool? Okay. Verse 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. And this gave him great pleasure. God loves adoption. Like Jesus doesn't show up with more kids and the father say, Oh, great, running out of room up here. You going to buy the sheets? <laughs> it says it gave God great pleasure. He loves to build additions. He loves to tear down that wall and put out another wing. So let's bring in more kids. Because we're sons and daughters. Heaven and hell are asking the same question about every one of us. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Because we act according to who we believe we are. If you don't believe you're a son or a daughter or that you deserve it, you'll act like that. I think as sons and daughters of God, we should have so much confidence in whose we are. It makes religious people think we're being arrogant. That's how Jesus lived. Who do you think you are? I'm the son of God. That's who I am. Are you healing people on a Sabbath? Yeah, I am. And I'll do it the next week too. so much confidence in who he was. And the father spoke over Jesus. This is my son, and I like him. And he spoke over him before he did any form of ministry. He hadn't performed one miracle. He hadn't done a thing. And he speaks over, this is my son, and I'm pleased in him. If Jesus had to hear that, how much more do we have to hear that? The Father speak over us whose we are, why we've been created. Because knowing that we're a son and a daughter will sustain us when disappointment comes, and it will. When the valley of the shadow of death is around us, and we're supposed to keep walking, a lot of people stop to linger in valleys, and that's really dangerous. 
like, man, these mountains are huge. It's really dark in here. It's quiet. I just heard something. <laughs> That's why it says, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, lie down in green pastures. Some of us mix that up. We lie down in the valley and we walk through the pasture. So we never rest and we're always busy, 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 busy. You know what busy is? Burdened under Satan's yoke. That's what busy is. We're no threat to Satan if we're busy. He loves it. We are not intimidating at all to darkness if we are busy, 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 busy. That's why Isaiah 40, when it talks about wait on God and you'll receive strength and eagle's wings. I actually heard someone preach this before. They said, the devil has patience. Really? I didn't realize the devil could have a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's not possible. <laughs> it is not possible for the devil to have a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's like saying, the devil's so loving. He's kind. He's really kind. Gentle. So gentle. <laughs> the reason this is so powerful, because when we wait on God, it infuriates the enemy. Because he knows what's going to happen. We're going to get strong. And then we'll get eagle's wings that bring us above the valley and the fog. And we have his perspective. And everything that seemed huge is now like, oh, well, that's small. And eagles eat snakes. And snakes don't fly. Just saying. You know, eagles can soar for like 22 hours in the air if the wind is, is right. And they can see stuff like snakes from a long distance and go, oh, you're mine. <laughs> this is the picture God's painting for us, the power of resting and waiting on him. But it's not just about busyness. And I illustrate that with Jesus for 30 years. I mean, if you were to look at the life of Jesus in the context of American culture, you'd be like, man, he didn't accomplish a whole lot. He left, and most of his disciples left him at the cross. There's only one that's, that lingered around. And in only three years. But God took that and created an exponential release of energy across the earth when the atoms got fused. Because a handful said, I'm going to hook up with the firstborn of all creation. And then God said, great. Only takes a few that are willing to say, I'm hungry and desperate for your presence, God, no matter the cost. No matter the sacrifice, I just want more of you. Okay. A couple last thoughts. I'll close it out. You guys okay tonight? Anyone have anemia in here? Blood disorder? Iron deficiency? A couple of you? Yeah. You too? Okay. Anyone else? There's two. Back there, two? Four? Five? Okay. I want to share a testimony about anemia. We had uh, 
a girl come to one of our large gatherings, do a large gathering once a month. And she said, I want prayer for anemia. Just want to be healed. And I said, do you believe God can heal you? And she's like, yeah. So we prayed. She went to the doctor. I think it was a week and a half, two weeks later. Got it confirmed. She's totally healed of anemia. It's the first time we saw a blood disorder healed. So I said to her, I said, the next large gathering, I want you to get up, share the testimony, and then ask if anyone else has it, and then you pray for them because you have the breakthrough for this now. I don't need to do anything. And she was kind of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I said, do you know whose you are? You're a daughter of God. You can do this. And so she gets up there and says, hey, I was healed of anemia, Ba ba ba. This girl stands up who has anemia. She prays over her. A week later, she gets it confirmed. She is healed of anemia. I'm in a church. The next week, I share the testimony of this. Two other girls stand up who have anemia, pray over them, get the confirmation two weeks later. So four people were healed of anemia just over a month. So I want you to stand if you have anemia. We're going to pray for you. Jesus likes you. He doesn't like your anemia. This isn't too embarrassing. This is actually fun. This is cool. If you have a friend that's nearby, just maybe put a hand on them. You believe God heals? Do you? Does, does anyone? Yes. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. We're just going to pray. You don't have to close your eyes or anything. So, Jesus, we just thank you that you love, you love the Father's children, but you hate sickness. And so we just command anemia to die in these bodies in Jesus' name. I command anemia to shrivel up. Iron would begin to flow into their bodies. They would not need supplements, checkups, or whatever else. They could eat whatever they want. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you are very good and you love to heal. You love to touch bodies to make them well. It is in your nature to heal. By your stripes, we are healed. Jesus, we know you're not taking any more stripes on your back. So healing was established 2,000 years ago for all of humanity. And you have given every one of us that follow you access. So we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know with this, a lot of times you don't know until you get it checked out. Sometimes when we're praying for stuff, you know right away. But I would encourage you to get it checked out. Just believe by faith God's touched your body. Anyone have herniated discs in your back? Like an injury? Yeah? A couple of you? You guys mind standing up? Is that cool? Pray for you. Someone, again, just maybe put a hand on it that knows you. And you know, put a hand on an appropriate place. <laughs> and those of you that are around, if you're comfortable, just extend a hand. We're just going to agree for God to heal their bodies. Thank you, God. We just pray uh, right now for these backs, that the discs, the muscle, the tendon, the tissue would all come into alignment with your kingdom, God. There's no pain in your kingdom. There's no herniated discs in your kingdom. So we just declare healing to these bodies, that, that your presence would just shoot up and down their spine. They would literally feel physically you moving around their back. Um, I'm going to share a testimony while I'm praying for you, but... 
We saw a couple weeks ago this girl had scoliosis, crazy scoliosis. We were just like this, a setting like this. I'm just praying from up here. People are praying for this lady back there. And they could feel her spine completely moving and adjusting. And it became perfectly straight. Her hips were aligned. She could bend over, touch the ground without any pain or discomfort for the first time in years. And so, God, I just I say do it again. Jesus, do it again. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10. Whenever we share it, God wants to do it again. So we just thank you, God. You're good. You're such a good daddy. Anything going on in your backs you can feel? I always like to ask. Maybe you could try to do something you couldn't do before. Bend over, twist. Cirque du Soleil. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Test it out. We get some set up some trapeze in here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and there's not pain, though there normally would be pain. Thank you, Jesus. Give a holla to Jesus. All right. Um, what's your name? Right here. Yeah. Sarah. Sarah? Oh, yeah, we met right there. I just felt, I'm going to just share something that I feel like God's saying, just to encourage you. It's kind of like God giving you roses right now. But I feel like there's been some broken pieces in your life, and that God's bringing these pieces together to make an amazing piece of artwork. And sometimes with our brokenness, we all have that in our life. We can kind of think that. I can't really shine that well. And uh, there's this, it's the palace in Iran. What happened when they went to build this thing for the first time, they had glass and mirrors shipped from all over the world. It was amazing stuff. When it got there, it was all broken. So the architect thought, I'm going to be killed. So they came up with an idea. They said, let's smash it all up and make a mosaic on the inside of the palace. So they did this. They made this amazing mosaic, and now it's considered one of the most amazing interiors in the world. It's actually considered one of the top five interiors in the world because it's so beautiful. And I feel like God's saying it over your life. It's like he's, he's taking the broken pieces of your life and he's bringing them together and he's forming you into an amazing masterpiece where you know it's God and him alone. Like you couldn't have done it yourself. And he likes you. He really likes you. Like even just that word alone is good, that he really likes you. And I'm not trying to embarrass you. We're just, I just love to give God's flowers to people, and he really appreciates that you. Can I just pray over you? Is that cool? You don't have to stand or anything, but would you just mind extending a hand to Sarah, right? Cool. Is it okay if I put a hand on your shoulder? Is that cool? God, thank you for Sarah. You think she's beautiful. You're proud of her. And God, thank you. You take broken pieces of all of our lives, and you build amazing masterpieces. And so we just ask you you would start to do a work that no person could do, no program could do, no book or conference could bring, only you, Father, because you're a good dad. You're a good daddy. 
and just bless her. I just pray you bring a father's blessing upon Sarah. Like a big bear hug, Daddy. Just hug her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <laughs> you guys mind standing? Is that cool? You mind doing the keyboard? Is that? Got to have background music. Wouldn't that be cool to have background music, like wherever you went? You're like in Starbucks. I have a word of knowledge. Could I get the guitarist right now? <laughs> I just want to ask a couple questions. We're just going to go into a prayer time. I, I love prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I, I believe God just loves to move through his kids when we lay hands on each other. And this is something you see throughout all of Scripture, that when we just lay hands on each other, we become conduits for his presence to move. And it's just the way he likes to do it. And uh, but I want to ask a couple questions. You don't have to bow your heads or close your eyes or anything like that. But uh, maybe tonight you're like, man, I, the Jesus you're talking about, I kind of dig that. And I would really like to get to know him. Maybe if you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you haven't heard very little. Maybe you've heard a lot. But just something tonight, something stirring in you. And uh, that's just the Holy Spirit. He is the one who leads us to Jesus. Something starts to stir in us, and it's like, man, I, I've got to know who this Jesus is. And if that's you, you want to start a relationship, because it's a relationship. It's not, it's not religion. I hate religion. I love Jesus. And if tonight you're saying, that's what I want, I just want you to do something. Be bold. Just raise your hand. Like, that's what I want. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. It's cool. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Anyone else want to give the opportunity? Thanks, man. Cool. You know, the Word of God says that angels rejoice when people come to Jesus. That's code word for party. They're not like, oh, that is so wonderful down there that people came to Jesus. It's they're, like, they're just like, they're doing their own DJ tent up there is what they're doing. <laughs> I just want to pray for you. Those of you, just raise your hand. I um, just want to pray that God would come, just clean the slate, wipe the hard drive clean, and forgive, and do what only he can do, and just come on in and just bring a lot of peace and a lot of joy. So let's just join together for our friends who just became part of the family. Jesus, I love when kids come home. I pray, Jesus, right now you'd bring your forgiveness, your healing. I pray you'd hit the refresh key. There'd be a new start. Your word says we are new creations when we come into relationship with you. The old has passed and the new has come. So I just declare, Jesus, you would come. The only way you can do it and lavish your love, lavish joy, lavish peace. Take all the stuff that's not supposed to be there, take it out and replace it with the stuff that is supposed to be there. More of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, last two things is this. Um, 
If you need healing in your body, like something's not working right, the way it's supposed to, we'd love to pray for you tonight for that, whatever it might be. Um, and, the, and the last thing is this. I really sense this when we're worshiping. I feel like some of you are like, it's like you're hungry for God's presence, but there's this fear of losing all inhibitions. I talked about drunkenness in the spirit at the beginning. I went into straight into freaking you out right at the beginning. Here's the difference between natural drunkenness and drunkenness in the spirit. We lose inhibitions, but we are proud of what we did the next day. We have to let go. It's like the story of Jesus when he walks on the water, right after they fed a bunch of people. They just saw an amazing miracle. Jesus is walking on the water. They don't recognize him. And it says Jesus was going to pass them by. He wasn't planning on stopping until they reached out and said, hey. And I feel like tonight, it's just the Lord reminded me of this. It's like Jesus is passing by. And he's not going to stop unless you say stop and let go. He'll just keep passing by. His love will always be there. But he's like, there's so much more. There's so much more of my presence. The hungry and the desperate encounter not only God's presence, but he starts opening up doors of secrets to us. God doesn't have favorites, but he has intimates. Those sons and daughters that say, just knowledge alone isn't enough. I've got to encounter your presence. Just intellectually understanding the Father's love is not enough. I have to encounter the Father's love. And so tonight, maybe that's the space you're in. Jesus is walking on the water. And the question is, are you going to stop him? And are you going to let go? And just say, whatever you want to do, whatever it looks like, I don't really care. I just want more. So that's what we're going to pray for. Um, if you guys have to go, that's cool. We're just going to stick around and pray for some people for a while. And uh, just press in. Again, praying for the sick and anything really, but especially those two things. So, Holy Spirit, I just invite you right now to do what only you can do. I pray healings and bodies would take place tonight. Miracle signs and wonders would be released into this room. And I pray for encounters with your presence, encounters with your love. Holy Spirit, that you would come down just like you did in Acts 2. There would be a sound. Wind would begin to blow. And you just begin to immerse and drench and saturate the sons and daughters of God. And we just thank you, God. In your name, Jesus. So I just want to invite you forward. If you want to receive prayer, just come forward and stand. And someone will come by and pray for you. So we're just going to pray for a while and worship. And if you got to go, that's cool.
Awesome. Can we give Brian a hand? <clears throat> I just want to encourage you guys as we kind of close tonight that if you want to be part of this, that Brian's going to stick around. I also uh, want to let you know that Brian's a missionary. This is what he does full time. We're going to pull a laptop over the back there. If you want to empower him and his ministry, you want to give $5 a month, $2 a month, whatever, we'll have something over there. And um, my wife and I give to him, and we believe in his workings and his power, and we want to be a part of this, so we'll have that. Um, and I just would just challenge you guys to wherever you feel that there's reservation and, and shyness, that you would embrace what God is doing here and taking us as a community, and um, don't shy away from it. So we love you guys, and I'll just close it. Thank you, Lord, for tonight, and as we get either go home or stick around and wait for you, Lord, we just pray that wherever we go, God, wherever you take us, God, that your presence would just completely saturate, God, every part of our lives, Lord, our homes, our work, our family, and Lord, that you just would just move on us. Lord, we believe that we are here to be equipped. Lord, we believe that we are here to be changers of our communities, of our region, of our state, of our world, and so, Lord, we come here for an empowerment, for a touch from you. God, help us to embrace that. And to move forward. So, God, we just ask that you do whatever you would want to do here in these places, in this place. And, Lord, that you would uh, give us boldness, Lord, new levels of boldness in this room. That we, God, would do greater things in you as you promise. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. <laughs>